Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we're going to be talking about some just random feedback we haven't gotten to catch up on lately because uh, we've been doing lots of shows lately, which has been awesome. But now we're in that like random time. You ready for some random time, Ashley? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, I Grab you, the bag. It's your favorite, favorite time of year. <laughs> all right. All that rather to this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Ashley Coffin. <sighs> I feel like <laughs> I, I, I told you all this before we got started. Uh, you know, because I was an hour late, but uh, I was I, I, today I scheduled all my podcasting for today. Uh, and then I scheduled my mom's doctor's appointments for tomorrow. <laughs> and then <laughs> I for somehow I messed up and I scheduled them both for today. And uh, so, yeah, I'm running an hour late. So I feel like I just rushed in to sit in the chair. I'm still like, I'm still breathing. I'm still like getting, your breath. getting it through. Feel, feeling better. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, how you been doing, man? It's good. I've been cra- it's been a crazy week over here in the Northeast. We had, you know, we got snow on Tuesday that we had talked about Oof. last week and I was stuck at home. And then we got snow Friday and I was stuck at home again. So I've just kind of been like in the house doing snow stuff. Um, <laughs> we haven't had snow in so long, you know, watching people's cars get stuck on our road because we have a U-shaped Ooh, road. Yeah, that's no good. And it's not a grid road. Like our road has huge craters in it. I don't know how the township has allowed it to happen, but it is rough to get up and down. So like I saw our neighbors called a tow truck the other day to try to get them out in the middle of the snow and they couldn't do anything after an hour. Ken had to go out, my husband and help dig and they finally got up. But I was like, okay, so we're not going anywhere in my go-kart Mario Kia hatchback. <laughs> so we've just kind of been here. But what was fun is I got to talk to Bill, um, Bill from Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. Bill Bria is in Utah right now at the Sundance Film Festival, just doing all the things. So we got to put out, um, we recorded an episode last night of mostly about the main horror movies that were coming out because he's seen about 15 films and has about four more to go over the next day. Um, he should be back by the time this is out, but, uh, yeah, that we just got to, he got to tell me off air about a whole bunch of really cool movies that are coming out, um, but that aren't horror. So yeah, catch that. We talk about it a little at the end. So if you're interested in what happened at Sundance, uh, yeah, that should be out within the next week and a half. That's really, really cool. Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. Everybody check it out. Always check it out, but that sounds like a really fun, uh, newsworthy episode. Insider stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Insider stuff. Bill's always so insidery. He's got all the details. <laughs> yeah, he does. He has all the details. Uh, well, we're mostly doing just like random feedback today, kind of catching up on lots of you guys who sent in things over the months and months. Um, and well, I guess like the last two months, really, we've just been like really busy. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about one thing. I watched a Screen Crush video yesterday. And is that the guy who talks to his little dog? Yes. Yes, it is. I like that guy. Okay. He's good. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he okay. reminds me of every guy I worked with at Blockbuster Video. Yeah, he's standing in that video store. Like, yeah. feels very much like that. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like his channel on YouTube. But he did this video yesterday on like a theory of where the MCU is going or whatever. And it okay. was like, uh, he was talking about the themes that they're really developing in Phase 4, basically. And a lot of like, it was a lot based on gore. And like, who his his whole thing was like who gave gore the necro sword like why did the necro sword come to gore like was that someone oh. so he has this whole theory about it anyway his theory is hit or miss like some of it's like oh yeah that's a compelling and some of it feels like a stretch but which he admits to some degree but like it just made me like man he just really laid out a case for like how many like god and we talked about this a lot two years like the last two years or whatever 
and we kind of stopped talking about it with the multiverse stuff really like picking up, but like there was so much cool stuff they lined up and it's one, it's, I guess this is another like little bit of a disappointment in phase in the last few phases rant, because like, I just feel like they did so much to set up some cool God stuff with the, uh, the Eternals while, you know, whether you like it or not, it's, it's, there's mixed reviews, but like, it did a lot of setup with like the gods and the celestials and yeah. like what, who, them being gods and then the Gore the God Butcher stuff. And like, I don't know, it just got me really like thinking about how cool it was that they did so much to line up all this God stuff. And we had talked about it in depth. No, not to mention Khonshu and like the Egyptian right. gods. Like all of that was happening around the same time. And it felt so, and I kind of, at some point it just stopped being about that or they stopped. It looked like they were going somewhere with it. It looked like all right. that stuff with, with Bost being, you know, in the, all the black Panther stuff and like the, the avatars of the gods and then the gods themselves, like Thor and seeing Olympus and like all this stuff, this just like the, the pantheon of gods. And then of course, Gore, the God butcher being like a big part of that. Like who was the God they set up at the end of Thor? Was it Ares or Hercules? Hercules. Okay. Hercules and uh, and Zeus still being alive. Yeah, exactly. So like, there's all this God stuff. Anyway, his his whole theory is kind of like it's based on some comic stuff and some like just speculation. But his theory was this big like, where did he get the Necro Sword? And he thinks that like Galactus gave him the Necro Sword, like Ooh. which is like Galactus manipulating. Like Galactus forged the Necro Sword because he is trying to stop the gods from like. Uh, revamp well and this is what tie- he tied it to the multiverse of it all because he tied it to like that galactus is from a previous multiverse or a previous uh. like version of the multiverse and he travels the mul- like he he survives multiversal destruction Events. or something oh cool and so like okay anyway it was interesting it was an interesting theory i dug it but like also just like the main thing i it made me think about and i, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit was just like how we had this really cool. It's another case where we kept we keep talking about how like they're not bringing ideas back quick enough. They're not bringing through lines, tying it together. We keep saying tying it together, but really, after I saw the Marvels, I just realized like not even tying things together. I just need things to come back sooner. Like right, it's the the MCU has gotten so spread out that it's not like I dislike any of it. I like it all. But, like, right. <laughs> it's like there's these little corners of it that just like, oh, man, Moon Knight's so good. And then it's been two years, and we still have no idea. Total crickets on that. Yeah. Total crickets. No clue if it's coming out again. It's like they stopped understanding about, like, how the hype train worked. Like, the, right. the PR of the MCU and, like, pushing the narrative forward and, like, driving me to watch the next thing because the last thing teased the next thing, you know? And like, right. I feel like that's where, um, the things at the end f- started to fall off for me. Yeah. The, uh, end credit scenes and stuff like that. Cause it did used to get you excited for what was coming. And then now it's not, or it is, and it goes nowhere. Like, exactly. Especially. Like it, 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 we've lost and we talked about this ad nauseum, but it, that, just watching that screen crush video and him tying all the gods together and almost everything he said is stuff we had talked about in the past on this show. Well, cause he listens to our show and steals our content. Yeah. Stealing all our content guy with the dog. Um, I'd like a 10% and your little dog too, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, you no. and your little dog. <laughs> a, a lot of it is just like bringing up the fact that there's just a ton of God stuff going on, but I was listening, watching this. And I'm like, these are really cool theories. I love all of this, but I haven't heard about any of that since 
you know, uh, Lo- Love and Thunder, which when was that? Like last right. year, a year and a half ago? Yeah, it was at like this point. November of like 22 or something. It just feels like they aren't planning well for us to keep the hype train moving. It doesn't all have to end in end game. Like we can be excited about a movie. It doesn't all have to be as big as end game, but it does have to be connected. That's the whole like promise of the MCU. And I don't right. even mean like they have to bring them all together for a big Avengers movie. I just mean like, connect one movie to another movie (laughs) yeah the only i'm wondering if um with all the secret invasion you know negativity the only thing that could make that good for me is if they get going on thunderbolts and i know i saw something of sebastian stan recently saying they're just about to get started on Mm -hmm. it but i'm like how long ago did you talk about that movie how long has it been do we have to have the first captain america movie with falcon before we can have the thunderbolts movie but obviously the scroll thing needed to happen because the president's got to get mad and then i'm just like where are we Mm -hmm. going and it does it just feels like this waiting game yeah. Like, I feel like I called that dude, and it's, like, two weeks now, and I'm like, I guess he's not calling me back. Right, you know? right. I completely agree with you. Like, <laughs> it feels like m- m- like certain storylines are ghosting us. Like I'm getting stood up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I really think that's a big part of it. I feel like there's this, like, just lack of, um, I don't know, follow through. And, like, some of it is, I think... Marvel questioning themselves and recalibrating after like, oh, this show didn't get as numbers we thought, so let's not follow that storyline. Let's go over here. But I think what they're forgetting is like, sometimes it's the follow through that makes the first one better. You know what I mean? Like you, you see the the next one and you go, the the first one starts to feel like a classic when you watch the second or the third one. You know? Yeah, it's kind of asking for disaster if you keep changing your story. Oh yeah, there's you can't ever have this like connected universe if you keep changing your mind. And I don't know how much they've changed their mind. I think there's been a little bit because of like COVID obviously and then strikes and like some of that is out of their control and like some of the stories are changed because they've just thought better of it. And then then the like sort of negative critical reception of of phase four. But like yeah, I just need them to start like giving me some through lines. Just give me through lines. I don't need like a big universe tie-in i just need through lines yeah can we know what the pinging is in the middle of space towards yeah the bra- like the the bracelets can we yeah. know yeah somebody somebody um anyway it just like i, I definitely not like didn't want to start this on a downer necessarily i just like that really got me it, it kind of it weirdly got me excited because like yeah. thinking about all that stuff all the dangling threads they could tie together because because this guy from screen crush is doing like this you know He's talking about all the dangling threads, and he's making a theory that ties them all together. And it's like, oh yeah, that sounds that's, like, that's amazing. Do that or do yeah. something. <laughs> you know, like look at the dangling threads you have out in the world, and like and make a path for them to start making some sort of like touches on those previous previous work. Yeah, give me like a reason to go back and revisit Eternals. You know, because like yes, please do. Yeah. I mean, eh. make it make sense. <laughs> Well, like, if, if you find, see the next Eternals thing, or, like, can you see the next, and you start to love one of those characters, and then you're like, oh, you know, that character is great, and then you go back and rewatch, and there's so many things like that where, like, I always think of Buffy when I think about this concept, but, like, Buffy season one is is kind of universally told, like, you have to get through season one, is what people always say, like, when they want people to get into really? Buffy. Really? I yeah. love season one. I do, too. 
But I was we're always... T- we were weeding people, though. Well, I wasn't before. Well, I guess I was. I like Firefly. You like Firefly. Yeah, yeah. Firefly and I went back for Buffy. Um, but, like, I, I was always told, like, it's a great show. You just got to get past season one. And, like, it's... I, I can see what they're saying. And I think the first time I ever watched it, I was kind of like, okay, getting through. But then on subsequent watches, I love season one. It's And it's because I know the characters. So, it's like the, yeah. the life that the characters are given in season two, three, four, through seven, like makes me love season one even more because I see the, like, I see those characters in there even if they haven't been brought out yet, you know? That's so funny. I never even thought about people going back and discovering Buffy and binging it now because I remember watching the premiere live Thursday night on the WB or whatever it was, and I always watched it straight through on there. So I've only with Ken did I uh, go back and we, like, binged watched it, but he... Yeah, I didn't even think about because I guess if you watch it from the beginning like that, that was the greatest thing I'd seen. I loved the movie, and I was like, "This is amazing! We're continuing it." But why right. was she a senior in the other movie? I'm not going to ask any questions. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, that's so funny because I just forget about that sometimes. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I watched that movie live on you watched it live syndicated I... television. <laughs> and now I'm now old. Gonna, <laughs> now we're going to go into a little bit of a Buffy podcast, but like, I think I love I love Buffy, um, but. When it was on the air, I never watched it, but the people that liked it in my life were, and I regret, I I truly regret not being more respectful of these people. I wasn't ever mean to them. They were actually some of my closest friends, but they were such fangirls of Buffy (laughs) and like in the most cringe way and in the most like... They just love the dudes on the show. So I always watched it and I was like, like, or I didn't watch it. I watched them talk about it. Like we'd be in class together in high school and they'd be talking about that show and they would be talking about it like just the love story. That's all they ever talked about was the love story. And now when I finally watched Buffy and Angel, believe me, I cry on multiple episodes because of the love story. Like this is a forever love. She has to. (laughs) No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. But, like, I love the love story once I finally went back and watched it. But, like, I was a little judgmental when I was in high school because I was with all my f- female friends that loved Buffy. You're like, screw this David Boreanaz guy. Yeah, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. I used to record it and watch it all week again until it came back. I remember you'd VCR record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Loved it. I found, when I was going through my other house to get the rest of my effects over here, I found a box full of tapes. And I'm pretty sure that box full of tapes is like old stuff I taped off of different channels or whatever. I used to love taping music videos. Off the box and stuff. Yeah, yeah. off just like MTV or whatever. And I would just like hit record, hit record. And I'd like, you know, I'd build a little library and I'd have them all like written down the time where they are on each tape and stuff. I had little (laughs) folders with like, because... You could fit like whatever sixty music videos on a tape, so it'd be like all these folders with like you know timestamps and where th- and what music video it was, and like full music video or starts about thirty seconds in because I had to get to the remote. That kind of stuff, like little notes. Yeah, no, I used to record <laughs> Monster Vision at night because that stuff used to come on at like one o'clock in the morning with Joe mm. Bob Briggs, and uh, you know I would just stay up recording like four hours of those movies and some movies I swear those were the best versions like I know that there was a version of Last of the Mohicans that I had off taped off like UPN or something I have never 
scene. There's scenes I know were in that movie, and they are not in the director's cut DVD. Hmm. There's not in any of the other DVDs or Blu-ray versions that I've ever had. But it was a, a, the VHS version. Wow. And I'm like that, and it's more of the story. And I think it was same with Legend too. There was a we all know there's a million cuts of Legend, um, but the the TV one I'm telling you was the best one because it had more contents of the two stories that were split in the one. And I, I like, I know I'm not, what is it, Mandela affecting myself? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember these scenes. I remember the dialogue. And they have, I've never found them in, in how many versions of these movies that I've bought. They don't have them. So it is interesting. God, mm-hmm. the 90s TV was good. I wonder if our, like, 90s babies one version of fandom, do, any, any, so, like, I, I think that, so the generation before us, the people who like sci-fi, were like a very small, a much smaller number of people, and it was a much like, uh, I don't know, even even a geekier set. And and I think it's because it took so much work back then. Like if you wanted to see every Star Trek episode in the '60s, you had to—I don't even know what you could do. Like you couldn't even tape stuff yet. So like you had to like go to you, you know in the in the '70s and '80s, people were going to like swap meets and stuff and like finding old tapes of things and like being able to find whatever they could in whatever formats they could, you know, um, and just catching it on at night or catching it on a rerun somehow, somewhere, like there was just no way to get stuff. So if you really wanted to be a nerd about that thing, if you wanted to know everything, you had to be on your couch at that time every week and and take notes because you're never going to see it again for years. Like it's crazy (laughs) to think about that. But I mean, I, I had that experience too. We, we didn't really tape stuff when I was a kid even. So like, uh, it wasn't until I was like in high school that we even really like, ha- I think we had a VCR, but I, I wasn't allowed to use it and we, we didn't have tapes. I don't know, whatever. Um, we, we didn't have like blank tapes, you know? So mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It, I, my point is, I think as it has become easier to become a fan of these genre stories, those genre stories that these people that were like, seeking them out like truffle pigs, you know, like they were just like seeking out everything they could to know every (laughs) little bit about these things. The reason they did that was because the stories were worth it. And now we're like, we're in an age where the stories are still some of the great stories, all the sci-fi and interesting genre tales, but they're way more widely spread because way more people have the opportunity to watch it without like having to dig so deeply. But I wonder and we're we're sort of in the middle. We we're in the middle where yeah. we could tape stuff, we could rent stuff, but like it was like you could rent them like three episodes at a time. A lot of, when we were kids it was a, a VHS tape with two episodes. That's all you could rent. Yeah. Of things. And so it's like I don't know. I wonder if that causes a greater affection for the thing because you have to seek it out so much, you know? Yeah, probably. We're like little modern day treasure hunters trying to find all this crazy stuff. Because like as a kid, I remember hearing, you would hear about certain horror movies that were like impossible to find or never shown on TV and things like that. And then you would go on this endless search and you would ask every VHS, you know, West Coast video or the like video dens, the ones that weren't the big ones, but had, um, you know, just in the strip malls, there were these random rental stores. And that's the one I'm going in there at nine, like, do you have Cannibal Holocaust? And they're like... No, you can't watch that that movie, child. And, and no, they don't have that. That was a, a one of those movies that, for all the eighties and nineties, was banned in our country and in tons of other countries. So that made it more, you know, like I want to see mm-hmm. this movie because it's you know that holy grail of horror movies you can't get. Mm. 
Uh, and it's stuff like that that I think makes you start to it, it, I, I, like the Blair Witch Project. Like when the Blair Witch Project came out, I didn't know that that wasn't real. And internet had just come, come out. And we went into this on our episode about it. 15-year-old me was like, I got to solve this case. And I was so into it. And I was just learning how to use the internet. And like that was my first time realizing, oh, I'm really into true crime documentaries or stuff like that. Because then I found out that that wasn't real. And I was like, that was a weird thing that happened to me because it took over my life for like mm. a week. I would get home from school and I would go right to my... And I was like, I'm going to solve this. These kids are missing. I got to get the help. You know, they gotta, we got to find them at 15. That's so and I'm funny. like, oh... I like murder and true crime, apparently. And now I am like, obs- the obsession with true crime, I, it, it's just interesting how all of it came about. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. <laughs> interesting. Well, I, I think it all ties into the stuff that we're talking about with the MCU and Star Wars, Star Trek. Like, me, me and Dave Robertson has talked about it a lot on Star Trek because, like, for so long, Star Trek was so rare. And it is a thing that we sought out and we had to find. And that, that, that is my example of all those things when I talk about them, about finding things on tape and like eventually taping them myself and eventually being able to get them uh, you know, from DVD stores and eventually being able to strain them. Like I'm talking about Star Trek because that's the show that I grew up with. And it was like it was a part of every one of those things for me. Mm-hmm. But now Star Trek comes out every week, almost. We, we're in a bit of a gap right now, but like – Almost every week, they, 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 they did the Marvel Star Wars model for like the last two years, where it's like every week there's a new Star Trek thing, and it starts to feel less valuable. And it's a real bummer, and I, and, and I really like have a hard time differentiating between like, is it because it's not as good, because it's not having the same care? You know what I mean? Like, are they taking yeah. less care with it because they're just trying to throw as much at the wall and see what sticks? Or is it? Just less value because of the the laws of supply and demand. They're like shoving so much supply in the chain that like I don't care as much. You know, like I oh there'll hmm. be another one next week, so I don't care as much about this episode. Um, Interesting. It's yeah. really hard to know, and I think that's sort of what MCU is struggling with when it comes to like putting out so much the last few years and like going all the way back. Like I think the MCU kind of hit at this perfect time where we're finally able to tell these stories, these very like geeky genre, nerdy stories. But everyone has access to every one of those movies in some easy form. Ever since right. Iron Man and streaming has been alive, like you could get, you could get that movie if you wanted it. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so, no one was excluded by needing to seek the movie out and now we've reached a point where like they're almost like feeding it to us and and, like almost at a clip that we can't take it and it's like we can't keep up or some people can't keep up yeah or you can only keep up with one universe at a time it feels like like if you're still watching all of the star or all of the marvel stuff it's hard to keep up with the star wars stuff too sometimes you know especially if they're both running a show at the same time i remember when disney plus first came out and i'm literally wearing the x-men shirt from the uh, animated series i was like floored because I I hadn't only not really thought about the animated series in a long time. I never thought I was going to be able to actually watch the entire thing all the way through. And I thought, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this whole thing. I don't think I got through like season one or two because then there was more stuff and then we had to do the show and we had stuff to watch and then there was Star Wars stuff and then there's this other stuff and then there's movies and then there's my podcast. So I'm watching the horror stuff and I did kind of let that get to the Wayside, and I feel like when when they start to really bring in the X Men, I'm going to go back and deep dive, watch that again, 
again because I do hope that they follow a lot of the storylines in that because yeah. it'll be easier for people to relate to these characters if you can go back and watch that series. There's even some speculation that like that's the version that's coming to the movies. Like those actual characters from the cartoon are going like, to travel the multiverse and like yes. the suit that we've seen uh spoiler leak alert not too bad cuz it's I think it's pretty ubiquitous. But we've seen suits from the the Deadpool sets that like have Wolverine in a very similar suit to his wait. cartoon counterpart. I can't wait for Deadpool. I cannot I wait for Deadpool. May. I've been thinking about that. Like, I was thinking about that this morning because I've been sort of feeling like we don't even know what's next. It feels like nothing's coming out. I'm feeling a little aimless with the podcast because there's not a lot of stuff. Like we've got feedback to talk about, and like obviously we're 20 minutes in now, and we've uh, I've just brought up a Screen Crush video. We've talked for 20 minutes, but like. <laughs> May is not far away. We're four months it's, away from freaking Deadpool. And that is so much rhyming. What did I do? I didn't even know. You were like, May, it's not that far away. It's so close to May. I don't know. <laughs> it, you'll hear it when you go back. It's very cute. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but yeah, we're, we're so freaking close. And I think that's the one I, I think I said when we did our like most excited for this year. I think that was mine. Like, I am most excited oh, yeah. for Deadpool 3. I'm excited I'm for a lot of things, but Deadpool 3, Agatha, very, very exciting. But Deadpool 3 yes. is like all, it's my jam. I'm excited too. I just can't wait to see what they're going to, that's why I've been, a, besides like the, that leak picture, because I think even Hugh Jackman posted that. Um, I'm trying to avoid leaks and spoilers and that for that, like the plague, because I just want to be surprised. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I think like they have a real opportunity because Deadpool, so part of the problem with DMC right now, I think is that a problem uh not 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 creatively but like financially or audience wise is that like a lot of people it is hard to there's the properties that they're currently running are not the most popular properties um they're just like they they're a little bit more niche i feel like a lot of the stuff we've gotten the last 2 3 years has been a little more niche they're not doing Avengers movies. They're not doing Captain America. They're not doing Iron Man. And those are the three like tent poles. And everything right. else is always sort of like swirled around those things. The Ant-Mans, the Doctor Stranges, anything that's not the original four is like a little bit off to the side. And even this year, Thor Love and Thunder felt like it was a little off the beaten path because I think Ragnarok took Thor in a red direction where he no longer feels like the core story. He's so right. It's so silly that it makes it feel uh frivolous. In a way that, like, I don't think Thor: Love and Thunder was, but I think like it's almost it's almost like there's pre Ragnarok Thor and there's post Ragnarok Thor, and they're almost like different characters. They don't same actor feels very so different that like right yeah yeah. Anyway, it feels like it's to be taken a little less seriously for whatever you know for that for the I think all the comedy reasons. Mm -hmm. So we end up getting these sort of smaller audiences for these movies because they're not tying to the original four like they used to. Deadpool is like. An out of left field. Everyone loves Deadpool. Deadpool is like a. The first two movies are great. They are completely separate from the MCU, and they were beloved in the level of an MCU movie. They're rated R, so they're like they are inherently a little more niche. But the thing I thought I always thought about Deadpool is similar to Thor. I've always thought of him as kind of frivolous. Like I'm not expecting it to change the Marvel universe when I right. see Deadpool, a Deadpool movie. But this one I am. So it's got like all of the fun. And, like, great, like, the romance, the, like, humor, all of the, like, great action of a Deadpool movie. And the, they've always had great heart. 
But now it's coming. They're smashing into the MCU. And like, what are they going to do? I'm so excited. I know. If Michael Fassbender shows up, just know somewhere my heart has exploded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because I am so excited just to see all the different people that they can bring in. Me too. Just to see them one more time, you know? (laughs) Or not just one more time. I I know. Michael Fassbender's older now, and if he came in as like a, you know, 15, 20-year-older Magneto, and he's like (gasps) getting probably, I don't know, I'd have to look at the ages, but he's probably not too far off the Ian McKellen, like, era. I think we've looked at it before. Like, he's almost there. Like, if if they gray him up, let him go gray, let him be the character from comics have him be the full blown, you know, be so Genosha good. running Magneto, yeah. be a bad guy, like have it happen. Like, and this thing, the it's it's actually genius, and I hadn't ever really. I know we've talked about it before, but like, they've if they we've talked about a lot of ways of like how do you do the how do you do Magneto specifically if he's not connected to his heritage and stuff in World War Two mm. and all this stuff. Like we've talked a lot about that and like ways they could do that, um, but if they shift. Those X-Men that are currently like, for them, it's like the year 2000, but those two universes collide and we have those year 2000-ish X-Men join into the MCU and suddenly like all those first class, which I think were like, pardon the pun, but first class, like actors and like, like uh, those, those stories are not bad. Like, right. Maybe one of them, but like most of them are really, really good. Like the actors are really, really good. Bring them over and let them take those roles that like now they're old enough to have, you know what I mean? It's just like, it seems so perfect. I want it so bad. (laughs) You know what? We're going to, we have, we have some feedback to read. Um, but Oh yeah. Feedback. uh, The bag. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, (laughs) let's do that. But first take a quick break. We'll be right back with lots of feedback. We're back. And we're back. Um, so let's just jump right into feedback before I just start talking again. Like this was supposed I, to be about you're the such people. Such a derailer. Actually. I know. I know. <laughs> Dylan Frazinas, one of our patrons, says, "Quick thing I thought was funny in the podcast with Baby Matt and Jeff about the Iron Man three rewatch. You guys were talking about how uh, you'd in the future love to see Doctor Strange go against Wanda, <laughs> and then Jeff said." Magic on magic, which he uh, then so says mom in his, in his feedback, uh, come on, you damn time travelers. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Pretty good. It's pretty good. And we definitely like, we, we called that from way back. Woo. Woo. Iron Man 3. Love it. Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, up next, uh, Ben Tamino says, hello, Panda fam. Uh, we got married. <laughs> oh, that was the guy who said in the the thing he was saying that they were getting married yeah. and having like a marble. That's adorable. Yeah, and I think we read it like right before the wedding. He said it. We yeah. read it just in time to tell their like Marvel story before Marvel love story. Um, he says you couldn't have timed the reading of the Marvel love story better. It was perfect. You aired it five days before our wedding. Thank ah, you. Ah, there it is. That's amazing. Um, thank you, Ben. Uh, let's see. You were both saying how you like non traditional weddings that incorporate things we love. Ours was really the perfect blend of tradition and a personal touch. Um, Not only did we say for all time and always instead of I Mm -hmm. do. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
<laughs> that makes me that makes me giddy. I haven't I didn't pre-read this feedback and that makes me giddy. I, I love it. Yeah, well this ding dong for you soon. So wedding I know. bells are about. I, yeah, <laughs> I am I am engaged. So that's not that's that's a good one. I like that. Um I think she might go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um and he says, But my mom and sister officiated our very personal non religious ceremony together. Uh, my brother's bluegrass band played the ceremony with Elise walking down the aisle to a beautiful fiddle instrumental version of I Want to Grow Old with You from the Wedding Singer. Aww. That's great. Uh, which they learned at our request. We cut the cake to Come and Get Your Love by Redbone uh, from Awesome Mix Volume 1. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our wedding was truly perfect. It was hilarious when everyone sat down for dinner and suddenly the speakers were blasting Ooga Chaka, Ooga, Ooga, Ooga Chaka uh, (laughs) as a ton of feelings started playing. Uh, People were dancing right up until the end of the night, uh, which says a lot considering it was a Sunday. Elise's uncle even took the mic and performed Ice Ice Baby at one point. LMAO. Um... Thank you so much for reading our love story on the air. It was amazing to hear it right before our wedding, and we listened to it many times since. Aww. Aww. It really was the icing on our wedding cake. Uh, That, and of course, Marvel's wedding gift of Loki Season 2, which was absolute perfection. You guys are the best. Uh, Lots of hearts. All, for all time, always, Ben and Elise. Are we married now, then? I think we married. <laughs> Did we just get married to Ben and Elise? I think we're in a quintuple. <laughs> oh, no, that's so... Congratulations, you guys. That's so cute. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for the follow-up. And I did watch... Um, he sent their video in, and I did watch all of it, and it was beautiful. Their colors oh, were really nice. That's it, awesome. They looked great. That's beautiful. Well, Ben and Elise, congratulations. Love to see it. Love to see just, like, love on the terms that you guys believe in and like can like you know connect on these things that you guys care about it's just freaking awesome i love it i love yeah. it um up next john irons our good friend from captain game show i got to hang out with him a couple weeks ago he was in nice. birmingham he he's from here but moved to dc i think um but he was back in town to visit family or whatever and so me and david robertson from star st star trek universe and dc on screen went over and chilled with uh Chilled with him, and uh, it was great. It was really nice. I remember meeting him at Dragon Con. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, John Iron says, Hey, guys, uh, listening to the Tangent episode now and heard Jeff call the Wanda version of Game of Thrones uh, the Wicker Throne, allow me to humbly submit Game of Crones. Thank you for your time, Lee. <laughs> John Irons. Well, <laughs> Victor Timely reference. Ah, John Irons, you never disappoint. You never disappoint with the uh, puns and such. <laughs> wordplay. Not exactly a pun, I guess. Game of Crones. Just a, just wordplay. Just rhyming, really. <laughs> Good. Wonder version of Game of Thrones, the Wicker Throne. I don't get it. I think he's just like, I think that's something Jeff said in a different right. I guess. Like he was saying Wicker Throne, like. Instead, I don't know, Wicker just made him made it sound witchy to him. Like Wicker. Like the Wicker Man? I don't think he means that. I don't know. I think he the, the Wicker Baskets. Yeah, wicker like Wicker Basket. Are... Like it would look witchy. Like instead of <laughs> instead of big uh I think he means instead, instead of, of big swords, swords it's like 
Okay. Kind of like a wicker, like witchy kind of basket looking throne. <laughs> okay. I got you. But you're, you're, you're far more into the witchy stuff than he is. So you, you probably have, have a better, better version of that. <laughs> I'm just picturing those, like those chairs at the beach that people have usually on their porches with the big, just like wicker. They oh, just look yeah. comfortable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> D- yeah I-, I hear you. That early nineties wicker. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like Game of Crones. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, Todd Fitzhugh says, hi, guys. So I listened to the cast the other day where you guys were talking about Captain Marvel and, and, and the hate she, Brie Larson, sometimes gets. Uh, Ashley briefly used me as a possible example of someone who dislikes Captain Marvel based purely on her character as opposed to her being a female with power or because of things uh, that Brie Larson herself has done. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that that was totally the case. I'm not really a movie guy, so know nothing about Brie Larson's other films and haven't even heard of what she's done regarding the Me Too movement. Uh, as a dad of three girls myself, I completely and wholeheartedly love female superheroes, uh, fictional or in real life. Scarlet Witch is absurdly my favorite Avenger. Um, sorry, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Like, um, I read that wrong. Should I just let him go with that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I thought he, like, I was, I read it as absurdly. He said, arguably, my favorite Avenger. I read it as absurdly. <laughs> like, I thought he was going to be like, say, like, he, she's absurdly awesome. Like, like, yeah. as, a, as a, but it, it made it sound like I was saying, like, she, absurdly, she's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Todd. <laughs> Trying again. Scarlet Witch is arguably my favorite Avenger, and who doesn't love Nat? Valkyrie's great. Miss Marvel is the sweetest. Love Gamora and Nebula. Shuri is brilliant. And even the Wasp is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, poor, uh, poor Janet. Oh, get, get on the lower end. Or is he being Hope? Who, who, yeah. who, who are we talking about? Any you of the be wasps. Specific. Any of the wasps, I guess. <laughs> uh, I love that I watched the MCU with my eldest daughter, and I really hope uh, she feels empowered by these characters or the actresses that portray them. I reckon there are hundreds of millions of women on this planet that are stronger, smarter, and more competent than me, and I'm completely okay with that. Um, <laughs> even looking closer to home, and arguably uh, much more important, the addition of Miss Ashley to the MCU cast has been a revelation. Uh, I love her frank and honest opinions, and I 100% respect them as much as I do the guys. She really needs a pay rise. <laughs> Yes, a pay rise. If you don't rise. say it right, does that mean you don't have to do it? That's right. No. Yeah. See, <laughs> you he, didn't do it right, Todd. <laughs> he, he, he misspelled pay raise and like. Sorry. So now I'm not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my slightly negative opinion on Captain Marvel is purely based on the first Captain Marvel film, which I didn't really warm to, and I just didn't ever feel like I knew who she was personally. Since then, despite her cool appearance in Endgame, that hasn't really changed much. The Marvels was the most we've had out of her, uh, character depth and personality-wise, but, th- but even then, I felt like uh, she kept getting outshone by the brilliant Miss Marvel. Um, I don't hate Captain Marvel, and like Matt says, I'll definitely be rooting harder for her the next time I see her, but the reason she is further down the list of my own favorite Avenger is solely based on the character and nothing else. Keep up the amazing works, you beautiful legends, Todd. 
And I get where Todd's coming from here. I mean, it, we are in a weird place where if you're negative about that, say he were to post on the yeah. page like, God, I wasn't really feeling Miss Mar or Captain Marvel in this one. You're going to get attacked. And it is, and I that's why I know what he's talking about now, the, the email that he wrote in the last time where I was, you know, it's okay if you don't resonate with a character and it doesn't have to be for any other reason than you don't resonate with that character. I don't really care for Korg. Sue me. He's funny. I get it. It's cute. It was cute the first time. He can be there. He can stay there. He can do whatever he wants. He can be in every scene. It's not my favorite. You not know. your thing. It is what it is. Yeah. You know? I, and that's completely, okay. Completely. Completely true. And I, <laughs> I think uh, it, it is a really interesting place. And it's, you know, it's the whole divided nature of our politics and people. And like, it is a real bummer because like, yes, there are people that will jump on you if you don't like Captain Marvel and just be like, you don't hate, you don't like women. You're a sexist. Yeah. Like you're a sexist. That's why. And like, I've talked about my, my journey with Captain Marvel and how like I had some unexamined, I think not even necessarily sexism, but unexamined lack of a point of view taking when I watched the first Captain Marvel the first time. And it took me a few times of listening to, listening to, women who'd had similar experiences to make me appreciate some of that movie that I didn't appreciate before. But that's that the issue is it's like, if (laughs) it's like, if you don't like a male character or, or, or or whatever, uh, like no one jumps on you about it. But like, if you don't like female character, they will jump on you about it. But like, and I, it's like, it sucks. Cause I, I get it. I get the defensiveness of, a powerful female character like I am too. And it's like, it's such a context. Like you got to listen to how someone says something, what they say. Cause like it can absolutely be a sexist comment to talk about Captain Marvel in a certain way, but it also can just be a thing a person feels about a character and they're not into it. Like it's a real bummer that we have such a hard time communicating these things, but also like, I get completely why people need to have that defensiveness, their shields up when someone right. comes around talking crap about Captain Marvel because so much of the internet that is a problem. Right, right. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough. I wonder if the Eternals has had more of an upkick now that Barry Keoing is so popular right now. He's kind of like an mm. it boy from Saltburn. I wonder if there will be more of a like, oh, we should do another Eternals movie now, or at least do something with him. I wonder what his contract is with them, because now would be the time to do something while he is in the midst of this being, you know, super popular, super talked about, and super seen. It's just interesting, because like, I I, I didn't really care for the Eternals, but in the Eternals, he stood out to me Mm -hmm. as, I really like this character, I want to know what's going on with him, and Nahari, Nahari, no. The deaf one? The quick one, yeah. Makari. Macari, god damn it, so you close. Start- Samsonite, I was way <laughs> off. But yeah, like I would like to see. I would watch a movie about the two of them running around doing Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely, and I think that it's so funny. Druig, I feel like, was not necessarily written to be as compelling as he was. I think, and in, in the comics, he's kind of like a hit or miss, good guy, bad guy kind of guy. But I love that, and I too. But like, and, and so many great characters in the MCU and elsewhere are that. Um, and I, but I don't think Druig was written to be amazing, but like the actor really like pulled him off in a way that, mm-hmm. and, and the same thing with Makari. Like I, I, I really loved seeing both of them and then seeing them have that little bit of a connection that wasn't fully explored. It was just kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. they, 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 they care about each other for some reason. I would a hundred percent 
watch that movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been saying it all along since that movie came out, but I, I think that like it could have been very well suited to just do like if they had done the Eternals as like four different movies, like do a Macari and Druig focused movie where you have certain scenes that cross over and like that all of them are in, but then, you know, you go back to their story and then you have a full story about each of them or, or, or little groups of them that sort of goes through time. I think that would have been the way to do that, but obviously that's making four movies instead of one, whatever. Well, they should have done it on Disney plus and I will never get off of that. Like you had the TV, you know, you have the streaming thing. Mm-hmm. It's smart to do it. You did it before Miss Marvel. You've done it before a couple. If you would have given everybody, even just like a, I don't know, one episode about each of them mm-hmm. going into death a little, let us know who they are. Let us know their connection. Don't make me have to learn all of these characters for, you know, the casual person who doesn't know who they are at all. Be like, well, who are these people? I don't even remember everybody's name by the end. And you expect me to have emotional connections to their story and care what happens? I don't. Yeah. But if they would have just done a, like, a series called The Eternals, one episode for each of them before it came out and showed how they tied into each other over the years, do it animated. Listen to me. I don't care what you do. <laughs> Give us some context, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just too much. It's too much to pack into one movie. And I've also said, like, it. It could, they put it out a lot of different ways. The way they did it was like inherently problematic. You, trying to introduce 10 characters and giving them sort of equal weight through the movie is not the way to go. And I, 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 I say equal weight with some understanding that there was a focus on a couple of characters, but like not enough. It felt like they wanted to write a movie about one of them and sort of like have... Uh, have the characters sort of like be focused on these two or three and the others are supposed to just be ancillary. But then over time it sort of built up and like they got really good actors in those roles. And they just wanted to keep expanding. It just felt like they gave too much to everybody and I couldn't care about everybody before it's all over. Mm-mm. Anyway, again, well-trodden territory. I like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jordan Peterson uh, says, Hey guys, uh, just found your podcast and love it. Uh, listening to 1117's show about the Spider-Verse, and I'm totally with you on coming around to it. Um, I uh, I think Spider-Verse or Sony-Verse? I think he means the Sony Spider-Man-Verse is what I was talking to about, I think. Okay, I have a theory that I think would be awesome. If these villains slash anti-hero movies without Spider-Man is because all of these movies take place in a universe from across the Spider-Verse that doesn't have a Spider-Man, because Miles Morales uh, got it. Was killed, I guess? Uh, I don't know what he means by, but my, because Miles Morales got it. Maybe, maybe, maybe killed. Um, then, at the end of the third Spider-Verse movie, Miles Morales stays in the universe with no Spider-Man, and we get a live-action Miles Morales with all these developed villains. Tying it together, it would be so cool. Just had to share it with you guys. Thanks for the great show, Jordan. Maybe he means got it like able to travel the multiverse. Right. Uh, Spider-Verse that doesn't have Spider-Man because Miles Morales got it. I think it was just a bit of a typo. But okay. I don't know what he means exactly. But like <laughs> I think he's saying that like, what if that's where this goes? That that becomes the Miles Morales Spider-Man like verse. And, right. and it's just that, like, there, I guess in this story, there was never a Peter Parker Spider-Man, and Miles Morales is a little younger, comes up, comes around a little later, and there's all these villains that are already established, and he has to sort of, like, learn to navigate it. Yeah. That sounds that sounds rad. I've talked before, I would love to see, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a live action Miles Morales any, in any way, 
Um, I would even love for them to bring in the Spider-Verse version of Miles Morales as our MCU Spider-Man. Like, I think it would be amazing because I love that character. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they've done a great job setting it up. He's already traveling the multiverse. Like, just do it. I do think that tying together, Sony owns it all, tying together the Spider-Verse and the Sony-Verse would be a really good, smart choice. Really smart. Yeah, why not? Yeah, man. <laughs> I I am... Uh, when does Madam Web come out? Is that sooner than later? Valentine's Day. Okay, I'll be there. I'll probably podcast about it. I don't know who will, who will join me, but I'll probably podcast about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look particularly good, I'll admit. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, I, I'm just like, why did they get... What's her face? You'll have to tell me if she has any kind of emotions, because she's always just like, oh, no... Here comes a truck. I told you to get out of the way. Here's the you thing. Know, she's always just going to be Fifty Shades to me. I hear you. I've never seen Fifty Shades, but I, I still know her from that because of all the marketing campaigns. Um, a good movie can sometimes take a character that is not a great, not an interesting protagonist. It, we've talked about it before, but the idea of the neutral mask, where like, the main character isn't the interesting one. They're the boring one and everyone right. around them is interesting. Mm-hmm. This could be that, you know, like yeah. it could be that like, there's lots of great, interesting characters and we care about her because we can see through her eyes. Cause we are the audience. We project ourselves onto that blank canvas as I'll call her, which sounds insulting. And I meant it that way. <laughs> um, but no, I, I've never seen anything with her in it. I can't really, uh, I've seen a lot. Have you? <laughs> Well, did you ever see Bad Times at the uh, El Royale with oh, Chris yeah. Hemsworth? Oh, yeah. I did see that. She was the girl, the sister I, of the sister that was in his cult. Okay. I didn't remember her being in that. Eggs. Well, you don't remember her because but she's I boring. Will, I do love that movie, though. Yep. Uh, she was in the, this Jane Austen version of Persuasion, which was just a catastrophe on on, on Netflix. And mm. uh, that was almost insulting to people who like Jane Austen stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just, you know, she's in some stuff. Okay. Okay. I don't dislike her as a person. I think she's beautiful, and I think that she has great fashion. And I, well, she's she's with Chris Martin, so that must be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as for acting, I mean, she's got two very, very famous parents and a very famous stepfather. So I have no it, idea who she is. I don't even know her name. What's that's Melanie Griffith is her mom, and Don Johnson is her dad. Okay. She's Dakota Johnson. Oh. Her stepfather is Antonio Banderas. I had no idea. Her grandmother's like uh, Betty Davis or one of the dames from Golden Age of Hollywood. What's the word they call them all? Nepos? I would go with that with her. Yeah, I have not been impressed with her yet. And I will say, like, the the trailer looks a little trash, but part of it is just the trailer. Like, I think some of those lines that are so bad were, like, like, there's that line that everyone makes fun of. When he was working with my parents in the rainforest or whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And was, we were collecting spiders. We were collecting spiders. Like, it just, it's terrible. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be in the movie. I think that was like some line they had her read in a box ten, like three months ago because they were trying to make a trailer. And like, yeah. it's probably, maybe the movie itself is well done, but that trailer did not do that movie any favors. Mm-mm, um, mm-mm. But it does seem like they're doing something with the multiverse and... I'm interested in what the the like Sony versus doing, just like uh, we're just talking about with uh, Jordan's mm-hmm. feedback. So like, 
I'm going to go see it because I've been saying it. I, I got to put my put my uh, theater dollar where my mouth is because I've been saying I'm more interested in Sonyverse. I'm going to go see Madam Web, even though it's probably the one I'm least interested in uh, that I've seen a trailer for. Did the, did Craven come out yet, or is that at some point? Uh, no, Craven the Hunter it has not. So I'll I'll, I'll go okay. see that too. I'm gonna go see that one because I'm a shallow girl. I oh. just want to see them abs. No, I'm just he's so cute, and he's gotten to be in so many different uh, right Marvel things, and I'm just superhero like superhero okay, things keep in general. Going. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, um, he was Kickass too, right? Oh yeah, I I love Kickass. I was going through my comics I love this week, too. Um, and like Kickass is one of those few like comic book series that I bought like the first issue as it was coming out. And so I have like the first five or six issues. Oh, and, cool. Like, and yeah, it was kind of neat going through them and like, Hey, I still have these. That's awesome. Um, that's, a, that's one I read before it, you know, before it was a movie or whatever. And I really like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Dig it. Um, okay. We're going to do one last one. Let's see the Kai. This one is a little echo related. Um, so if you've not seen echo, uh, I, I, there may be spoilers. I just noticed there's some echo stuff in here. Uh, Kyan says, uh, how Nikon high frame parentheses, high friend, uh, MAJ that's us. Hopefully this doesn't get too long winded. I am a Potawatomi woman and Oklahoman. Uh, and I would like to voice my thoughts. Here is your pedestal. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Thanks for writing in. Um, <laughs> first, some housekeeping. Matt, you were not given a fair shakedown. Choctaw are not from Oklahoma or the Midwest. They are from Mississippi, Louisiana, and as you said, Alabama. Tribes were relocated by force to Oklahoma. Yes, uh, someone else. I sensed it. Yeah. I sensed it. Yeah, someone else wrote in about that, too, uh, on, on the Stranded Panda chat. There was some conversation about that. Um, the, yeah, trail the Trail of Tears, tears which, which we completely didn't even bring up. Yeah, we did not. And I know that I, the Trail of Tears, like I know a little bit about it, but I didn't know right. like where it, what, what, where they left from and where they were forced to go to and all that. I didn't really know. Yeah. It would have been nice if they added that in there. I um, agree. I agree. I was, someone else, again, there was a little chat on this about, it's on the Stranded Panda chat on Facebook and like, like someone brought up the point about, um the partition in Miss Marvel and how they like it, it. They didn't take too long away from the story to like, give us a little context about the history of her people. And like, I think a little bit of that could have been good here. I think they were trying not to hit us over the head with it, but I think a little bit of that could have been really great um, because it does feel a little bit like they didn't, you know, it's not their, their, it's not their job to inform us on that, but it would have been a nice thing. I think. Right. Right. Um, continuing Cayenne's feedback, uh, you were right to see similarities between Kahori's story and the origins of the Choctaw people in Echo. They looked so very similar. It's important to know that just because tribes are very different, uh, th that through anthropological history, many tribes have come and gone, formed alliances, and created stories. Many stories and legends share similar themes between tribes because of the con constantly evolving societies in pre-colonialism in North America. Anyways, Oklahoma news outlets have released so much content about how much Marvel worked with the Choctaw people to create this and be a good representation of the Choctaw people. As a native, I was excited but still skeptical. 
Kahori set the bar pretty high, even looking past the kind of Avatar Pocahontas vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what she means. Totally, totally know what she means. And at least in this version, the colonialists are all the bad guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Uh, for me, uh, it felt so forced. It felt like they spent more time on the Hollywood stereotype of what Native Americans are like, that it no longer felt human. The dialogue felt more like gentle, carrying the idea of Native American, Native America in a child's show than it did in something TVMA. Uh, for as large and powerful as the Choctaw Nation is, we are really going to show a powwow reminiscent of a Hallmark Christmas-esque county fair. It was so tiny. Uh, Maybe I'm being too critical, or maybe uh, I was too happy with reservation dogs uh, that seeing some of the actors just have to be so one-dimensional gave me the ick. So much of it did not feel like an accurate representation of of Native peoples. It felt like an accurate representation of how Hollywood wants to tiptoe around them. It didn't feel like a show about people, uh, just the idea of the people, if that makes sense. Then, her final fight outfit, I can't. Oh, <laughs> oh no. I love the outfit. Yeah, it, it was well, cool. at the end, there's a superhero outfit. Yeah, you know, it was we cool gotta do to it. me as a superhero outfit. I don't know how it represents, uh, represents these people. Um, let's see. Continuing Cayenne Seebeck, I find it odd that we can fall into made-up worlds and culture like Wakanda so easily, but anytime it's legitimate tribes, it feels fake. Then again, maybe that's just because of my close uh, adjudication of native culture. Uh, Someone from Africa might find Wakanda a bit off, uh, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. It's been a really great time for tribal representation but this just felt so flat. Uh, don't get me wrong, there was so much I liked about this. Uh, several tribal police departments are still referred to as uh, Light Horse. It was really cool seeing that mentioned. The old Welcome to Oklahoma sign, they have all since been replaced by a very ugly Travel Oklahoma sign. Uh, so low-key nostalgic. Uh, wish they would have filmed in Oklahoma, but I'll get uh i'll get what we can the opening scene uh with the first choctaw i love creation stories and i loved this adaptation uh thanks for reading all of this if you did <laughs> on your left pepper mm-hmm. which i <laughs> did I, I love i love i love the name pepper uh, your name being cayenne i love it <laughs> really good Cute. It, Cute i did joke. that i was like wait she's got two names and ashley was like yeah cayenne and pepper Oh, I get it. I get it. Um, love it. Uh, oh, well, thank thank you uh, very much, Pepper. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I do think there's something to be said for like, like you said, people from Africa would look at Wakanda and go like, it's, it's like, you know, it's a Disney-fied version of that thing, you know, and like, right. obviously Wakanda is not real. And so they are trying to make it fantastical to some degree. Um, Whereas the uh, Choctaw people are real and like they could have gotten more realistic. But I do think anytime you're trying to represent 
a people that you're anyone time someone's trying to represent a people that you're a part of, it will come off a little false. Even like, you know, I grew up the culture I grew up in when they're fully represented on screen. Sometimes I'm like, eh, that's not really, I, I'm, I grew up, my dad's a Southern Baptist pastor. And like, so <laughs> that gets lampooned all the time. And like a little more <laughs> these days, often in a negative light. So it's sort of intentionally uh, aggressive. To, the stories can be intentionally aggressive towards those people. And like, right. I can see what they're saying, but at the same time, it doesn't feel authentic to the way I grew up. You know what I mean? Um, so, so it's, it's interesting to that idea of like your representation. Can it ever live up to what you think? I mean, obviously she says reservation dogs is something that like really lived up and I've heard that from other people. So I'd like to see that. I haven't seen it yet. They said a lot of the cast was in there. Oh yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Oh, did you like seeing the grandma in Killers of the Flower Moon playing the grandma in this one? Oh, yeah. I was just, yeah. That was neat. I love her. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, which we talked about, Killers of the Flower Moon, over on Binger's Assemble, which will be out in a couple days. We're waiting for the uh, Oscars noms Wednesday. to drop. Wednesday, yeah. So if you're listening to this on Friday, it will have just been Wednesday. Yeah, so we should have some of our episodes about uh, the about the Oscars up on Binger's by then, I think. Yep. At least yeah. one. We'll have one up there. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you Ken finish the music, which is fun. So yeah. he's just got a couple tweakings with it, and I'll send it over. It's so fun. I really love our Oscar stuff. I was going to mention that at the end of Jump Over to Avengers, if you haven't already. Uh, the last two years, Matt and I have covered um, the Oscar movies, and then we do a lead-up episode, and then we do an aftermath episode. Just, yeah. you know, having fun with these movies and seeing films that you wouldn't usually watch or just, you know... So having an idea going in of what's up this year and what we liked, what we didn't like. I just love it. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite times of the year. And I like that we started doing it so much. You go a lot deeper than I do because you watch every category. Um, yeah, we go crazy. Luckily, this year we started a little early. So I'm hoping we can get to more this year than we have in the past. But I, I really am pumped to see uh, what, you know, what, it will, like, I don't know, see all these movies that I don't normally watch. And this year, we I talked about this on Multiverse News a couple weeks ago, but like, we did our top five of the year and I couldn't like, I didn't have a five on movies. Oh, like no. I had seen more than five, but like I saw four. I really liked and I couldn't of all the other movies that I've seen, I was like, which it just wasn't that many. And like, none yeah. of them felt like they belonged in a top five. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to say my top five is I need to watch more movies this year um, <laughs> because I felt really bad. And it's, it's all the family stuff and like the busyness of that. Like, yeah, just makes watching it just makes me sad because like that's what I love and do so much. It's why we do these podcasts is because like we all love this stuff and watch it and soak it up and like live in these movies and these fictional worlds. And it's like a real bummer when I look back and like, oh, I missed a lot this year. I missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, because normally we get to the Oscars and I'm like, oh, I've seen about half of them this year. I yeah. was like, I saw Barbie. I saw Barbie. I saw Barbie. I was proud of you. You watched two three and a half hour movies in a day. A day. A I know. I, I kind of had to work during it, but like I, this this month has been really light on music, so I had a little bit of time to catch up on things. I also watched Oppenheimer, so like when we get together on Wednesday, we can do our. Uh, yeah, we are recording Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same thing because you have to stick with the the, yeah. the Barbenheimer phenomenon. For sure. We're going to talk about For that. Sure. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about that this week. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I, I don't know if we uh, – thank you to everybody who wrote in, but especially thank you, Cayenne, for the uh, discussion of that representation because, like, it's something that we don't have that perspective and we really appreciate. Um, yeah, I really appreciated it. So that's great. Um, and I, I, I hate to hear it. 
because I heard so many people talking about how positive the reputation was, and I hate to hear that it feels like to some people like no, that's not that's not it. That's not good representation. It is Disney. Yeah, it is. They're Disney. the kings, isn't it? Literally a word like oh, they Disneyfied that. Like oh, this is representation. Yep. Like if it was Disneyfied, so it is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's disappointing, but not surprising. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. It's a bummer. <laughs> But I do better. They're doing. They're trying. They are trying. Get the old college lowercase t. It feels like Disney is always a few years behind with like the politics of what's going on in the world a little bit. Where they're like, you know, uh, like, well, we can be representational, but it still has to, you know, focus on uh, characters that like the mass audience will understand. You know what I mean? They, they're always like trying to like uh, straddle a line. Or it's like, oh yeah, we'll have it be representational, but it's still like this kind of Fisk show too. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. it's that thing. And I, and not that I dis disliked that. I loved the I loved Echo, and I loved that Fisk was in it so much. But um, yeah, it's 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 this it's the straddling the line of like including representation, but not they never cross the line with like like the fact that they didn't bring up like the trail of tears and they they sort of like show the result of it but never explain it feels right. um, like a deliberate uh leave out to me. Yeah. And that feels this is whatever this is probably controversial to say but like that feels like that deliberateness of that feels like maybe something that was like well we don't want to get into like that and i'm like if you can't like just call out the trail of tears you're really too far behind like just like exactly you know what i mean like yeah yeah it's like i understand that like we're in a political moment where like half of the country or whatever like much smaller than half but like a lot of people would think oh they're they're putting this woke stuff in my show and it's like no the Trail of it Tears happened. was bad, and it happened. Like, this isn't woke shit. This is just the truth. And, like, I, yeah. That's why I, yeah. I love when these shows do teach me something that I didn't know. Uh, I, I know we talked about it before, but, like, Watchmen. Um, I had never heard of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Oh, yeah. I remember when we were talking about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you those of you who don't know, the show Watchmen on HBO starts with uh, the firebombing and, like, attacks like from the air of of tulsa oklahoma again oklahoma actually that's, that's, oklahoma? that's, that's, that's well that yeah well, and that's again we, we talked about killers of the fire moon this week and like that right. that tied into tulsa as well but um it's, it's so wild that like in my life i never heard of that and it's like the only time american cities american citizens had been like firebombed from the air like that bombs had been dropped on american citizens like that and it's like you know, in in America, it's like yeah, that's crazy. That that's something they just didn't tell, and it's it's like very deliberate that that's, that stuff gets um, left out of history yeah, books and yeah. school and absolutely, yeah. it's crazy. And I, and I, and I, so I love that. So the fact that this had that easy opportunity to tell that story, especially with like the discussion of where they were in the country and stuff, like mm-hmm. it, yeah, it would have made sense. Like. When she's talking about different ancestors, she could have mentioned, like, that was back when our tribe was in Alabama before. Yeah. That. And it would have been, like, a line that easy. It doesn't have to go in depth. And it could have at least, like, spurred on conversation and been like, oh, I didn't know about that thing, you know. Um, 100%. Anyway. Um, okay. So, uh, we love you all. Anything else you want to want to say, Ashley? Anything else you want to No, I think I'm or? tapped out. All right. I am tapped out. Cool. Well, uh. Check out uh, all the other Strand Panda shows, strandpanda.com. Um, 
pretty excited. Multiverse News uh, is the other show I've really been trying to push lately. So if you got a got a chance and you want to see some, they, there is. It may have even happened by the time this episode drops because it's on Friday. But there's speculation that they might drop the cast for Fantastic Four this week. And over on Multiverse News, we'll we'll hop on here as soon as we hear about it too, probably. But like. Uh, it might take us till Tuesday to get do that, but on Multiverse News, we're probably going to hop on and do an episode on that as soon as we know. So uh, go subscribe to Multiverse News if you want a little quick news bites and uh, hear what's going on in the world of other uh, fictional universes from our perspective. So uh, would love to hear from you, um, and uh, hopefully you guys talk to y'all soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Hey, you just listened to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast from Stranded Panda. I really hope you liked it. Let me just say a big thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash mcucast. You are the lifeblood of our little operation here. And a huge, huge thank you to our insanely generous Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III, Lieutenant Bongo, and Jazz Viz. You guys are amazing. If you'd like to see our beautiful faces, you can catch a video version of many of our episodes at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. Love you 3000, my friends.